Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts together be acceptable in your sight through Christ Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In virtually all of the Gospels, all four, Matthew, Mark, John, and Luke, there is more than enough evidence to suggest that the early church saw Jesus as a kind of new Moses, a prophet, lawgiver, uh, one who would shepherd Israel. Yes, he is the fulfillment of the suffering servant that Isaiah prophesied, but he is also uh, the bringer of a brand new law, a law of love, a law of grace, and a law of forgiveness. And all of the gospel writers share the clues with us that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan as the people of God went through the sea by the word of the Lord. The people wandered in the wilderness under Moses' leadership for 40 years. Jesus, for 40 days, was tested in the wilderness. And at the end of it, the people entered into a place where they came to the holy mountain, and Moses went up on the mountain. He received the law, and he brought it back down. The people had consecrated themselves and were waiting, and Moses came down. His face was so lit with the glory of God that they asked him to cover his face with a veil as they received the law from the hand of Moses. Matthew places Jesus on the mountain as he gives the new law in what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. But in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus goes up to the mountain, and the mountains are a far-off place. The mountains are a praying place. And as he comes down the mountain, he is now going to give the law to the people. He has been healing, and he has been teaching. He announced that he was the fulfillment of what the prophets foretold. And now he has selected 12 very special people who are destined to become apostles, ambassadors of the message of the gospel. And with them by his side, he comes down and he stands, Luke says, in a level place, takes his place among all the people, and the words that he speaks next are going to be for all the people. All of those who are going to come to follow Jesus, this is his Grand introduction. These are the planks of his new kingdom. This is what it's all going to be about. And among the first words, just like on the Sermon on the Mount, as Matthew tells it, we hear blessings. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are those who are spoken ill of and mistreated and, and uh, rejected on account of Jesus. Blessed are those who have riches. I'm sorry, those who have no riches. Blessings pronounced on people who live at the margins of society, blessings pronounced on people who need help. And who hasn't been in that situation from time to time where things become untenable, where things become unworkable, where we, we don't know how we're going to get out of it? a long protracted illness, a long protracted season of unemployment 
when we cry out to God and we see everyone around us doing very well, thank you, and going on about their business and doing all the things that they get to do, and we are stuck in a place. And we cry out and we say, God, this can't go on anymore. Jesus offers a word of blessing to those who are struggling in just such ways. But he doesn't stop there. He also pronounces woe. Woe to those who are rich. You already have your reward. Woe to those who are well-fed. You've already eaten what you're going to get. Woe to those who, as they walk down the street, receive the compliments and praise of everybody around you. This is exactly, Jesus said, how they treated false prophets in the old days. You have to hear in this recitation of the Beatitudes, you have to hear Moses again. Chapter 30 of Deuteronomy, see, I am setting before you blessing and prosperity, curse and adversity. I set before you blessings and curses, life and death, and Moses said, choose life, choose life, that it may go well with you when you go into the land. These are among the last things Moses said before Joshua took the helm and Moses went off by himself to die in the wilderness. And Joshua led them into the promised land. Moses said, I've been up to the mountain. I've looked in. I've seen God has shown me the land you're going to inherit. It's a great land. But the land itself is not the whole story. The land itself is not a magic place. You have to live in that land, Moses said. And as you live in that land, you have a choice between life and death, between blessing and curse. Choose the life. I have shown you in the laws of God. There's a conditional nature in the way that Moses gives the law out. If, it, if you do well in the land, I will bless you. But if you do not, I will curse you and expel you out of the land. There's an imperative. There's thou shalt. We look at the 10 sayings of Moses and we think, you shall do this, you shall not do this, you shall not do this, you shall do this. There's a lot of thou shalts all over the place. But as Jesus gives these new recitations of blessing and curse, the thou shalt has become this is. Remember, he said the kingdom is now here. The kingdom has come to pass. The kingdom is within you. And this is the way it is. God's blessing is poured out. The woes are given out. In the fullness of time, we'll all see it revealed, but even now we are living in a world where Christ is king, though it may not look like it. We are living in a world where God sees how it's all shaking out. And the, the justice of God that the prophets called for that justice would roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, that we would learn to love kindness and do mercy and walk humbly with God, that God is seeking and asking for his people to execute the justice of God on the world. Brothers and sisters, 
Jesus is telling us that the time is now. We don't need to wait to do this. There is no thou shalt in the blessings and woes that Jesus describes. And as a matter of fact, to make the point, he has already healed and cured everybody with an earshot who needs healing and curing. And once everybody has been set aright, then he comes and he gives the interpretation of what's happening. God is unfolding his blessing upon the world. And there's no earning of the blessing. We know this. We're Americans. How did our nation begin? But that a whole bunch of colonial people decided that they needed to throw off the oppressive weight of one who was taxing them without representation? Was that the issue? No, the issue was that they wanted a place where every last man, woman, and child could grow into prosperity, to grow in the blessings of God, to grow into freedom, to grow into a place where there's self-determination could be extended to everyone around them. That was the vision at the beginning. So they went down to the Boston Harbor and they threw a bunch of tea into the harbor as an expression that got sent over to the King of England and said, our King is the Lord and our time has come. It's an unfinished work that Jesus is describing but the foundation has already been laid. And we as a church are called to understand how it is in the kingdom of God. We are called to live in the reality of God's kingdom. And even though it hasn't been fulfilled completely yet, it is for us the only reality we know. We have to live according to God's justice so that every single human being that comes in contact with us is afforded their full rights and demanded their full responsibilities, given the human dignity that all of us desire, that we don't withhold from any what God has so freely given to us. The clues for this are everywhere in the Gospel of Luke. Mary and Elizabeth were meeting and they began to cry out. You remember their song. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty and away. It has always been this way in the world. The rain will fall today and the rain will fall on the just and the unjust alike. Unjust farmers can grow just as much as the just farmers. The angels of God see from heaven and God knows how it all works out and God will sort out and make right all things. But he counts on all of us to live according to his vision and not according to the appetites and the desires of the world. It's really important for all of us to understand that there's no imperative, no moral imperative in this teaching. It isn't just to say that anyone who's poor today is blessed by God. Jesus isn't quite going that far. But he is speaking to those who have signed up to be a part of his kingdom. We read in the second chapter of Acts that the first response of the church to the Holy Spirit was to sell their possessions and give all things into the common wealth of the people, thus making them poor in the eyes of the world. 
And there are poor people, and you have met them, and I have met them, and they're just as miserly and greedy as anybody you'd ever want to meet. And it isn't the poverty or the wealth that makes a person that way. It's what they want to do with it. It's how they hold it in their hand. And we are Christians, and we hold the wealth of this world lightly in our hands. Give it to me? Don't give it to me. What do I care? My business is to do the work of the Lord. This is the kind of poverty into which we're called. To shed ourselves of any concerns about how, how it's going to be fair, how it's going to work out. My mom and dad were geniuses at teaching us this justice. Whenever it came time to cut up the birthday cake, they would give one of us the knife. And, you know, we were young kids, and some of the pieces were blessed with much, and some of the pieces were blessed with little. And as we cut it, we thought, oh, that's mine. I just cut that one right there. That's going to be mine. But as soon as the cutting was done, my mom would take the knife away, and my dad would say to somebody else, now you get the first piece. And I had just given my brother the biggest piece of all. (laughs) This is how it works. And we know as children that there's a rightness to this. We know this. So how as adults can we say that five or 10 or 15 families can own half the wealth of the world while people are starving? How can we have simultaneously uh, outbreaks of obesity and starvation in the same land? When as children we knew how everybody was supposed to have it shaking out. How can we stand by and not cry out to see that everybody is dealt a fair and even deal and that nobody is set aside as less than or, or not worthy of. Not when our Jesus has poured his grace out upon all people. We knew these things as children. There isn't a kindergartner or first grader in the world who has any problem with the woes that Jesus describes alongside the blessings because they know this is how life is. This is how life is. We take the good with the bad. We take the right with the wrong and we put them all together and we allow God to bring to us his vision of justice. Hmm. I almost hear Moses calling out to us, choose life, y'all, choose life. We certainly hear Jesus saying, here's the kingdom, here's how it is, and I don't care what they tell you on TV, it's always going to be like this. You know it, you know it in your heart, and the Holy Spirit will confirm it in your heart. Hmm. You know, it's so funny, if you watch one news company and some event happens and they're saying, this is great, this is God blessing the world. And you watch the rival news company and they're saying, oh, this is the most horrible thing that has ever happened. It's a woe, it's a woe. Then the next day something else happens and the first news company is saying, oh, this is terrible, tear your hair out, rend your clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes. And then the second news company is going, at last, At last, God has broken through. Same event, two different views. And that's what Jesus is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. 
The kingdom of God is the kingdom of God is the kingdom of God is the kingdom of God. And whether that causes your heart to leap with joy or makes you shake your fist in anger depends entirely on where you're standing as he begins the sermon. Where are you standing today? How are the words of Jesus falling upon your fields today? How are they soaking down to water and nourish the seed of God that is inside of you? Are there, are there changes that you might need to make? Are there course corrections or things you might need to do so that the words of Jesus become to you good news? So that you can take your place alongside the apostles in bearing good news to the world? This is what I love about Jesus. He puts his word out there and then each of us gets to choose how we are going to live into the kingdom he is providing. I heard an old song the other day. I was reading an article in the Wall Street Journal about a young man who invented a couple of very popular apps. By the, apps are things you use on your phone. By the time he was 24, he was a multimillionaire. But he had a hard time connecting to people. And he mistreated those that worked for him, and he was harsh with others. And, and by the time he was in his late 20s, uh, he had lost and gained and lost again. And uh, tragically, he was another case, not a sports hero, but a, a young entrepreneur who had too much wealth, too much too soon. And they found him dead of an overdose in his Manhattan apartment, barely 30 years old. What a tragic story. Oh, woe unto you who are rich. You already have got everything you're going to get. The irony was, while I was reading it, there was an old song by one of the members of the band at the Eagles that was playing in the background. And it Singer was, as I was reading this article, the singer was saying, You just don't see any hearses with luggage racks. <laughs> Let that sink in for a minute. We don't stand before God with anything, anything but the soul that is within us and the history of the life we lived. Connect yourselves to God today. Connect yourself to God. Not in order to tell God how it's supposed to be, but so that you can hear Christ tell you how it already is. This is the kingdom of God. This is why we are presenting Christ to the world. Because our religion, our faith, our proclamation is not a long list of thou shouts. It's a short list of this is. This is your salvation. This is the way of love. This is your Christ. Amen.
Amen.